All right. May God bless you. May God keep you is our prayer. We're going back to the book of Revelation. Everybody, everybody ought to have uh, your Bible. This is Bible study. We have been going through um, the book of Revelation. We've been going through chapter by chapter. The Bible said, blessed are those that read this prophecy and hear uh, on hear this prophecy and keep it. Come on, somebody. So we're being blessed as a result of exploring the book of Revelation. God is revealing unto us. Amen. And many of this has already been revealed and it ought to be jumping off the page at you. Uh, some of the things that we're experiencing, that we're seeing today, amen, God's plan. Uh, there's a rhyme and a reason uh, to the madness that's going on today, amen. And certainly we see the appetite for individuals for a one world government, a supreme leader, come on somebody. Uh, what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world, amen. See that no man, when shall these things be? The sign of thy coming in the end of the world. See that no man, what? Deceive you. And deception is the order of the day. My God. And each and every one of us. The Bible has warned us. He's made it plain. Amen. Let us uh, stay in the word. Amen. Be informed. Know what's going on. Be able to see uh, what's happening, what's going on, amen, because the Lord is soon to come. All right, we're going to get back to the coming Messiah. We're in uh, Revelation, the 19th chapter. There's a lot going on here, and I'm going to make an attempt to kind of sum up where we are. Uh, you all remember we went through all of the uh, the seals, and we went through the trumps, and we went through the bowls, and we went through the woes, and went we through the plagues. And uh, then John took us into, um, and at the end of Revelation 17, actually, that is, uh, I'm sorry, 16, uh, at the end of the vials that were being poured out, that's the time that the Lord comes back. But when we went into 17 and 18, John starts talking about uh, the woman, the false prophet. Uh, then in 18, he talks about the beasts uh, that the woman is riding on. And now we're in 19. He's talking about the coming of the Lord. And a lot of the things that's going to happen when God comes back, we have to go back because um, a lot of the judgments that are being poured out when God comes back, uh, we see them all over again. So it's not like uh, we can... Uh, we're watching this um, real time and we can see what's happening on the earth and and we can see what's happening in heaven. Uh, and I do have a chart that uh, I showed you all on last week. I, I made uh, put it into my PowerPoint and I'm going to attempt to share it with you on tonight to show you on a timeline uh, where we are in the book of Revelation. Amen. So uh, there's a lot going on simultaneously. You know, those seven years of the tribulation. Uh, we're going to be up in heaven and there's something happening in heaven. There's something happening on the earth. And when we got to uh, uh, chapter 19, John said, and then I looked and he goes back to what's going on now. Uh, things that are happening in heaven. Amen. But he's narrating and he's taking and I can I can imagine 
My goodness, uh, the, all the revelation that was given unto him. Uh, you talking about he's got more than a mouthful of things and, and so much that's happening and going on. And he's taken us to certain stages, what's going on uh, through the tribulation, what's going on with the destruction of the church, the false prophet, uh, the destruction of the uh, the beast on which she rides and, and all of these things. And now he's talking about the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah. And we joined in in praise, praise. All right. Pick it up here in Revelation 19 and 4. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat upon the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. All right. And I said, now we have the twenty-four elders and the four beasts. They are praising God. Amen. Not only that, uh, we talked about the difference between praise and worship. Praise you can give from your mouth and from your lip. But when you bow down, you're giving of your body. You're worshiping. You're putting your body into it. You're, they worshiped God, all right? They are worshiping him, all right? And this was something that I wanted to um, point out uh, to everybody because there's a shift here in the praise. And uh, we went back to Revelation, the fourth chapter. Revelation, the fourth chapter. Verses 9 and 11. Everybody have your Bible. Blessed are they that read this word. Blessed are they that read this prophecy. And even those that hear it. Amen. But get your Bible. Read it with me. There is a shift here. And I don't want you all to miss it because it's significant. And if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it and don't understand what's going on. All right. In Revelation 4, John uh, says, um, verse 9, And when those uh, beasts gave glory and honor and thanks, all right, um, to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, and the, 20, uh, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that lived forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created amen so now I wanted to um, talk about the shift uh, when we were back in Revelation 14, when John had um, uh, went into heaven and he's looking at these uh, 24 uh, elders and these uh, beasts, uh, they're leading the praise. All right. Uh, but now we see the multitude. When we come to chapter 19, the multitude is leading the praise. And that's significant. That's significant, and we're going to get into it. All right, so uh, the multitude are worshiping, all right? And now the the cherubs, that's the uh, the four beasts. We, we'll call them the cherubs, and that represents uh, one-fourth of the church. All, all four represent the glorified church, all right? This is the last time we see the cherubims. Uh, and the 20 and 4 elders seen in the Bible. 
after here, uh, Revelation 19.4, we do not see them anymore. All right, back in uh, Revelation 4, they were leading the praise and worship. In Revelation 19, now the multitude is leading the worship and the 24, the 20, the 20 and four elders and the four beasts, um, the cherubims, they are agreeing and saying amen and joining in in the praise. All right. Uh, but this is the last time that we see the four beasts and the 24 elders seen in the Bible. And there's a shift. There is a shift. Now the, the four and 20 elders, those were the 12 prophets of the Old Testament, uh, 12 apostles of the New Testament. And each of those four beasts represents one fourth of the glorified church. So all four of them together. That's the whole glorified church uh, that are caught up into heaven. All right. And we see in Revelation 4 and, and 4, um, the, um, the 24 elders and the uh, four beasts. We see it in, in Revelation 4 and 10. We see it in Revelation 5 and 8. We see it in Revelation 5 and 14. We see them in Revelation 11 and 16. And in Revelation 19 and 4, this is the last time we see the 20 and 4 elders and the four beasts worshiping God. There is a shift in their position. All right. What does verse 5 says? All right, we're seeing a third aspect of the praise, Revelation 19 and 5, and a voice came out of the throne saying, praise our God and ye his servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. Now we're getting a third aspect of the praise. It's now coming from the throne room. All right, this one comes out a voice that came out of the throne. Amen. In the first aspect of praise, and we've read it, that was the cherubs. They were in the 24 elders leading the praise. In the second aspect, we saw the multitude leading the praise. And now this third aspect of praise, we see it coming out of the throne room saying what? Praise our God. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, everybody now, and, and I can see this, this uh, instinctive praise that's happening. You know, it's, it's one thing on Sunday when the praise team tell everybody, you know, uh, come on, let's praise and put your hands together. Let's give God some praise. Uh, and they'll tell you uh, there's always more people in the room looking around like you're not talking to them. Uh, when the pastor gets up, and he said, come on, put your hands together and let's give God a praise. We get a little bit better response. But when I look around, there's still some people sitting around acting like, you know, <laughs> they don't know what's going on or the importance of praise. But I wonder what would happen if we had a, a, a command that came from heaven itself. Praise our God. Come on, somebody. This is coming from the throne now. 
praise our God. Four times, hallelujah, everybody, small and great, uh, praise him, amen. And um, I just want to put some people on notice. If you don't enjoy praising God down here, you don't want to go to heaven. There's a whole lot of praise going on. As a matter of fact, uh, those uh, scripture references that I have given you, that's when the, the elders and, and the multitudes, they were bowing down and shouting and praising. Anytime God is getting ready to, uh, when the 144 came up into heaven and the palm bearers came up and they said there was a, a, a number that could not be numbered around the throne that was praise. Praise. Anytime God does something, that it's preceded by praise. And now we have the Messiah coming. And in uh, Revelation 19, there's nothing but praise. God is getting ready to do something. Matter of fact, they talked about what he had done in the past. He had judged uh, the harlot. Come on, somebody. He has avenged us, our blood. Uh, God is ready to come. It, it, you know, not praise him for things, what he has done, what he's doing. And guess what? What he's getting ready to do. Think made me think about that songwriter say everybody ought to praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noonday. Praise him when the sun go down. So there's no bystanders in heaven. <laughs> there's no spectators in heaven. Everybody, small and great, praising him. All right, Revelation 19, 6, 7, and 8. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude and the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him. Look at this, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. Anybody know Jesus is going to get married? Did you know that? <laughs> My God, the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife have made herself ready. Who was that? Come on, somebody. My God. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Look at this. Look at this. For fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That ought to give us a clue right there. Come on, somebody. So now we have a multitude in heaven, uh, a group shouting from the throne room, and the multitude shouting back, hallelujah, hallelujah, a responsive praise. Come on, somebody. My God, God is getting ready to do something great, and it's always preceded by praise. So out of the throne room, to the multitude and from the multitude back to the throne room everybody is shouting hallelujah amen so who is in this throne praising god come on somebody so we're going to look and focus in on the scriptures and identify who this is all right uh we know for a fact and we'll we'll take some of the scriptures to, to back this up, we know that the bride now has gone into the throne room and the focus has shifted. Now that we're here in um, 
uh, Revelation 19, the focus has shifted from the, the 20 and 4 elders and the 4 beasts to the bride. From here on in, we're talking more about the bride. It's all about the bride. It's all about the marriage. My God. So the saints, the church, have moved into the throne. Why are they, why are they praising? It says, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife have made herself ready. The bride is ready. She's dressed in fine linen, clean and white. For fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. All right. And this is the first time that the wife, the bride, appears in the book of Revelation. Amen. Um, now, it's mentioned in Revelation uh, 18 and 23. You all remember that when he was destroying the last element, the beast, amen, upon which the woman rides before he destroys her. What does he say? The bride shall not be heard in you uh, at all anymore in thee. So before he destroys the final beast, that final empire, he takes those things out. What did he say? The candlestick. That's the church. Uh, the bride, that's the church. He said the light, that's the church. And he said the musicians, <laughs> come on somebody, those that were singing the redemption song of the Lamb, that's the church. They will no longer be heard anymore in you. So God always snatches his church out. Come on somebody. He always takes his people out before destruction comes. And we have so many uh, patterns. We read that in Lot, how the angels told Lot, uh, we can't destroy this this place, Lot, until we get you out of here. Come on, somebody. And they took Lot out and told them not to look back. God knows how to deliver the righteous. Amen. So um, if you ever read, if you had never read any of the rest of the Bible, let's say we were just in Revelation, we just read Revelation, and we haven't read any uh, other scriptures in the Bible, somebody might be asking, well, who is the bride? I'm on somebody. Uh, uh, what wedding are y'all talking about? I'm on somebody, because this is the first time that the bride is mentioned before it was always the 20 and four elders and the four beasts but now they've moved into the throne room the bride is ready she's dressed come on somebody and our primary focus in revelation now is the bride of christ and i think it's very important we know who that bride is because she is central to the theme going on in Amen. Uh, the elders and the cherubs, they're not mentioned anymore. Amen. And we certainly know that bride is the church. Amen. My God. And the reason that the cherubs, the four beasts, and the 20 and four elders are not mentioned anymore because they have moved in. They've made a transition. And, and I wanted to make this point clear and point it out to you. Uh, because now the bride has moved into the bridal chamber. She's in the throne. She has made herself ready. Come on, somebody. And, and she's shouting, 
Hallelujah. Praise God. My God. And then the, you got praise coming out of the throne and you got praise from the multitude coming to the throne and everybody's worshiping God. Amen. God is ready to fulfill everything he has promised. Amen. The Bible says heaven is now open and now John is witnessing the blessing. God is about to fulfill all the promises. Uh, he said, I, 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 I go away to prepare a place that where I am, you're going to be also. Come on, somebody. My God, all of those promises, all of those scriptures are now being fulfilled. Amen. John said it in um, verse 11, and I saw heaven opened. Amen. Now, um, I want to remind you, and we're just going to go back just a little bit, because in John 4 and 1, John, in his revelation, he said a door was opened in heaven, and John went in, all right? Now, that, that's different. A door was opened in Revelation 4 and 6. I want you all to remember, and you can go back and, and read this if you need to, uh, there was a sea of glass like crystal uh, before the throne. Amen. So, and we studied that. Go back and, and um, you can uh, research it again. It's all out there. It's recorded. Those individuals that were going through the tribulation period could actually look up through that sea of glass and see us around the throne Praising God. I don't know somebody. But that was a sea of glass. All right. But and then in Revelation 6, 12 and uh, through 17, we see the opening of the seventh seal. And the Bible says a scroll opened up. The heaven, uh, the heaven, the scroll just opened up. And those uh, you can read it. Um, they say the, the kings of the earth, and, and they said they ran to the rocks and said, hide us from the lamb that sits on the throne. All right. But that's still not what John sees here. All right. But he says now in verse 11, heaven was opened. My God. And as a matter of fact, I want to read it. Because 12 says something um, that might be just a little bit confusing. What does he says in uh, verse 11? And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. So God is coming back now. Amen. Now, how did the Antichrist appear? He came in riding on a horse. Now remember, he's copying. He's trying to copy the master plan. Since he couldn't take over God's plan, what is he doing? He's imitating as close as he can the true Messiah, and he's going to deceive many. All right, but this is the this is the real one. Behold a white horse, 
And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he made and he had a name that no man knew but himself. And look what he says here in verse 13. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called what? The Word of God. Amen. He had a name. Let's let's deal with that first. He had a name that no man knew. In other words, um, uh, God is now being revealed in a way we've never seen him before. Uh, John had a glimpse of him. Come on, somebody. Well, we, we go way back to uh, in the uh, Moses said, I wanted to see you. And God said, I'll, I'll let you see my hinder parts. John had a glimpse of him. Come on, somebody. Um, uh, the heavens uh, rolled open and they, they saw the lamb sitting on the throne. And they ran to the rocks and, and said, hide us. But now heaven is open and we're going to see him as we've never seen him before. He had a name that no man knew. My God, it, it reminds me of when the, the disciples said, you know what? Uh, we saw him feed the 5,000 with the two fish and the five loaves of bread, but we didn't know. It's a whole new dimension now that has been open. We didn't know he could speak to the waves. There were, it was a new dimension. They, they, they didn't know God could do this. Come somebody. So when the heavens open, we're going to see him in his glory that no man has ever seen before. Then John turns around in verse 13 and said his name is the word of God. He said, first of all, he had a name which no man knew. Then he turns around in 13 and says his name is the word of God. <laughs> My God. But if we go back to John, what did John 1 and 14 says? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. But what did he say in John uh, 1 and 14? And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Look at this, y'all. We beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth the heaven was opened my god we're going to see him as we've never seen him before but we know who he is because there's only one that sits on the throne and his name is come on somebody my god no other name i know look at revelation 1 and 7 Revelation 1 and 7 is now being revealed. Every eye shall see him. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him, even so. Amen. 
my God. Now when he comes, and we're talking about the second coming of Christ, everybody is going to see him. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, and this is what it says. Every eye. Every eye is going to see him. Also, uh, them which have pierced him, rejected him. Come on, somebody. They're going to see him as well. And all kindreds of the earth, they shall well because of him. Even so, amen. My God. Even that, that, that um, remnant of Israel. Come on, somebody. That were fooled by the Antichrist. They're going to realize he wasn't our true Messiah. This is our true Messiah. Amen. The bride is now ready. Jesus comes back. And he's coming back with his bride. This is very important. This is very important because there are those that say the church is going to go through the tribulation. My God, what kind of wedding would that be if he allowed this earth to be destroyed and then come back and get his bride? What kind of shape would the church be in? The church is not going to go through the tribulation period. He snatches us out first. And when he comes back, he's coming back with his bride. He's going to bring his bride with him. He has already taken. He has already taken his bride. All right. And that was God's plan even from the beginning. Amen. We can see that even from the beginning in the Bible. And we got many scriptures that will uh, bear that out. All right. We are the bride of Christ. And his second appearing, his second coming, when he comes, we will come back with him. And we'll bear all of this out in the scripture. And I just want to get this out before you so you know the setting where we are. All right. This was his plan from the beginning to create a perfect bride. And what is he doing? He told us, I, I counsel of thee the buy of me gold that has been tried in the fire. He talked about the seven churches. Come on, somebody. Some he were not he was not pleased with. They were not ready. Some that uh, their clothes had become stained. And we go back through the seven churches. Every, just every one of them he said, I have somewhat against you. All right, what is he doing? He's making us, molding us into the bride, that perfect bride he wants us to be. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Come on, somebody. So what is he doing? He's making us and molding us into the perfect bride. Amen. Jesus said himself, it's not good for man to be alone. Didn't he say that? So he's preparing a bride for himself. Amen. And when he comes back, his bride is with him. And this is the story of the whole Bible. It's a love affair between God and his people. Come on, somebody. We are the bride of Christ. He's preparing us right now for this moment. Uh, that we are witnessing in Revelation 19. He's coming back. 
He's coming back to fight the, uh, the battle of Armageddon. He's going to set up his millennial reign. And in the millennial reign, we're going we're gonna to reign as kings and priests with him. Even in a thousand years of peace, we're going to reign with him because we are his bride. And when he comes back, we're coming back with him. All right. Now, I want to talk about some patterns, some allegories, some metaphors, parables uh, that we find in the Bible. I talked about, um, and this is all concerning the bride of Christ that's coming back with him. Amen. The bride of Christ. As I say, if we had only read uh, Revelation up to this point, we'd be wondering, what bride is he talking about? What wedding is he talking about? Because it's not mentioned until we get to Revelation 19. But it's the story. It's the central theme all through the Bible. All right? The bride of Christ. <laughs> uh, uh, he's going away to prepare a place. I'm going to come and get you. Come on, somebody. My God. So I want to talk a little bit about the patterns, uh, the allegories. You all remember the, um, the views that I shared with you earlier in our study. Uh, the different views that people had of the book of Revelation, uh, the metaphors, the parables in the Bible, and they're all concerning the bride of Christ. Amen. We talked about those empires, and all of those empires had kings. Uh, the um, Egyptian empire, the Assyria empire, the Babylonian empire, um, the... Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, all of those empires had kings. Now, we've had other empires, uh, Chinese Empire, Japanese Empire, the Aztecs. Um, there's many empires, but they had nothing to do with the children of Israel. So they're not in the Bible. You know somebody? This is a story. It's a pattern. It's an allegory. It's a metaphor. These are parables of a love story just between us and him. My God, and we find this as a central theme throughout the whole Bible. All right. Now, all of the patriots of old in the Bible had to find the right bride. We had been talking about uh, how the the story of the Bible is the story of a woman, and the woman re represents the church. Uh, there's some good churches and some bad churches. There's some good women and some bad women. Amen. Uh, this is the central theme, and this is what I'm trying to share with you all uh, on tonight. All of the patriots in the Bible had to find the right bride. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob had to find the right bride. Who were they? Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah, amen? So first, they had to go and get them, amen? Had to go and get them. Um, you just don't uh, uh, marry, uh, just get married. Somebody has to choose you. Come on, somebody. And what did he tell Israel? I didn't choose you because you were the greatest. I didn't choose you because you had something to offer. I didn't choose you because you had a bright future. I chose you because you were the least. Come on, somebody. 
My God, I chose you because you were the least. You didn't have nothing to offer. Come on, somebody. He looked at us. He saw us in our wretched state, and he still loved us. My God, and invited us in to the wedding feast, all right? So they first had to go out and get them. Abraham, he wanted the right bride for his son. So what did he do? He sent a messenger to find the right bride for his beloved uh, son in whom he loved. All right. All right. And when he got her, uh, when he, it was when uh, Rebecca was brought to Isaac's house. All right. We have all of this in the Bible. They were married and then they went on to fulfill the promises of God. So uh, Abraham, when he uh, wanted a wife for his son, he sent a messenger out, go find her. Remember somebody? And when he found her, what she was brought to uh, Isaac's house and they were married, then they went on to fulfill the promise of God. This is the pattern that God follows throughout the whole Bible. Amen. He takes the church to himself. He marries the bride. All right. Then he returns with his bride. All right. He does not allow the bride to get destroyed with the earth and with the world. Come on, somebody. And then come to marry her. What kind of uh, marriage would that be? Uh, that would be a pretty sad um, <laughs> a story. So every story in the Bible, it's about the bride. It's about the church. All right. Uh, we have the story of Ruth, uh, the story of Esther. We have the story of Gomer. Remember now, look at this. Hosea had to go and purchase his bride. Now, did you all know uh, Hosea means salvation? Hosea, it means salvation. Look at this. Hosea, salvation, he had to go and purchase his bride even though she already belonged to him. Mm. We just read that uh, everything on the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He purchased us with his salvation even though we already belong to him. My God. So this becomes a, a pattern, a, a metaphor of the whole Bible. And before she could be saved, he had to purchase her back. Come on, somebody. Before we could be saved, what did he have to do? And you had he quickened, which was what? Dead in trespasses and sins. He had to purchase us back, even though he already owned us. <laughs> we didn't know it. Come on, somebody. My God. All right, so Rebecca, before she was brought to the promised son, she could not be fruitful. Um, Sarah could not give birth to the promised child and be made fruitful by the man of God unless she married Abraham and could not inherit the blessings of God. Before Ruth leaves her people and goes to Boaz, she can't marry him. 
All right. Um, all of them had to move from where they were to the place that God wanted them to be. All right. So where does God want his wife? In heaven. <laughs> My God. All of them had to move from where they were to where God wanted them. Amen. So he wants us in heaven. All right. And this is why God takes his bride to heaven before he comes back. Here's another pattern. That first man, Adam, we find that in Genesis 1 and 26. Um, Genesis 1 and 26, he said, it's not good for man to be long. And God said, uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish and of the sea, over the fowl and of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Amen. So what did God do? Uh, God created, he said, it's not good for man to leave uh, to live alone. All right, to be alone. What did he do? He put Adam asleep and he created who? His bride, his wife. Come on, somebody. And then he was to have dominion. Amen. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. All right, that second man, Adam, the perfect Adam, all right, and 1 Corinthians 15 and 45, 1 Corinthians 15 and 45, what does he says? Or what does he say? That first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Amen. So that first man, Adam, was natural. But that second man, the perfect Adam, was spiritual. And just as the natural man was to have dominion. Amen over the fish and over the sea and over the fowl of the air and of the cattle and of the earth and every creeping thing and, and everything that creepeth on the earth. He was supposed to do that with his wife. So it is when that second man, Adam, the perfect man, when he comes back to have dominion over the earth, he's going to have his wife with him. My God, this is the theme theme throughout the whole Bible. All right. Uh, in the beginning, Genesis, um, it starts out from the very beginning in Genesis. And guess what? It's going to end with the same thing in Revelation. Remember I said Genesis was the beginning. Uh, Revelation, he's tying things up. He's wrapping things up. Amen. And each of the pictures in the Bible, we see the picture of the bride. Amen. This is a pattern. It's an allegory. It, it's a parable. We see it uh, over and over and over in the Bible. I want you all to write this one down. This is Esther, uh, the second chapter, 18, uh, 8 through 17. Esther is another pattern in the Bible. 
of the book of Revelation. All right. So Esther was chosen by the king. Amen. And not only that, uh, she was purified. The king, you know, once he made choice of her, she had to be purified a 12-month period of purification. And then she went in, she was taken in to the king. And if the king still finds favor in her, come on somebody, my God. So it wasn't, and, and the king chose Esther, but it wasn't until Esther was chosen by the king that she could save Israel. Come on somebody. It's only after she became his wife that she could speak on behalf of her people. She had to be taken in. Come on, somebody. And only after she became the bride of the king, she can petition on behalf of the people. Come on, somebody. My God. So the king always has his bride with him. And this pattern is clear. It's clear throughout the whole Bible. Uh, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, you all can write that down. This is the parable of the five wise and the five foolish. Come on, somebody. Now look, they were all invited. They all had equal opportunity. But what? The bride must be ready. She must be ready. Only five. They all had lamps, but only five had oil in their lamps. Now, uh, it's an old Hebrew proverb, uh, uh, that um, a practice, I should say, that the groom comes at night and takes the bride. All right? They go off and they have the wedding and then they come back in the morning and fulfill the promises of God and live as husband and wife. All right? And so the lamp, uh, I, I, the, you know, it said when the bridegroom came, what did they do? They lit their lights so they could see their way into the bridegroom. The parable over and over and over again. All right. Second um, Corinthians 11, 1 and 2. I dug real deep on this one, y'all. I'm going to, um, and there's so much in this that you just can't tell at all. And I got to keep telling myself. And since I dug so deep this time, I'm not going to just throw away the material. I'm going to go over it anyway. But I, I'm, I'm going to make a promise to you all. I'm not going to dig so deep. But there's so much to be said in the book of Revelation. So much. Uh... You know, people people talk about how the Bible is confusing, is redundant, and don't tie together. It's all this. It all ties together. It it it, um, it it ties together so much so it'll it'll it's it's eerie. <laughs> My God, when you really study it and realize, oh, this is what he was talking about. Oh, that's what. Uh, look at um. Oh, I needed my um. I need my book. My book that I use at uh, weddings. I forgot one of my resources. All right. 
Second uh, Corinthians, Paul lets us know, uh, lets us know real plain. Second Corinthians eleven. He lets us know real plain who the bride of Christ is. What does he say? Second Corinthians eleven one and two. Would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to what one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. My God, who is the bride of Christ? It's the church. It's the church. Amen. <laughs> My God, Paul lets us know again. Look at Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, and we use this to um, teach couples concerning uh, marriage, responsibilities in marriage. He says a lot of good things, uh, beginning in uh, verse 22. Ephesians 5, 22, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Um, for he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto the Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Come on, somebody. Uh, verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved also the church and gave himself for it. But look, if we drop down to verse 32, Ephesians 5 and 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. <laughs> From the very beginning, the ministry is talking about Christ and his church. My God, if you want to get down to the, what the Paul is saying, if you want to get right down to what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the relationship between Christ and uh, God is, uh, is is one one uns, unselfish individual. Come on, somebody. He allows us to be married to one another down here, but when we get there, there is no more bond. There's no more free. There's no more male, female. Come on, somebody. My God. But we're all one, and we're going to be married to him. My God, he allows us to uh, get married to one another down here. But when we get there, we're all the bride of Christ. This is a great mystery. That's what Paul says. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Amen. John, the second uh, chapter. Jesus takes his disciples to a wedding and reveals his glory. Come on, somebody. My God. John, the second chapter. Verses 1 through 11. 
What does it say? And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And they wanted wine. The mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, woman, whatever I have to do with thee, mine hour is not yet. Take note of that. Mine hour is not yet. His mother said to his servants, whatsoever he say unto you, do it. And there were set there six uh, water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them upon uh, up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was uh, made wine, he knew not whence it was. But the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called to the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, uh, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifest forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Now, in the beginning, God takes his, Jesus takes his disciples to a wedding and reveals his glory. I, I want to catch the pattern, catch the allegory, catch the metaphor, catch the parable. All right. It's the, it's the central theme throughout the whole Bible. All right. He takes his disciples to a wedding feast and he reveals for the first time his glory. All right. Uh, this is the last thing that he's going to do uh, in the book of Revelation. Hello, somebody. He's going to take us to the wedding and he's going to reveal unto us his glory. Heaven was opened. My God. And we're going to see him as we've never seen him before. What does he tell his mother? Mine hour is not yet come. All right. This is not my wedding. But my wedding is soon to come. Oh, my God. What did John the Baptist say? I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. <laughs> John was the one that was getting people ready. Come on, somebody to get invited. He said, I'm not even worthy to uh, unlace his shoe. Come on, somebody. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. Uh, uh, just It's just a, a pleasure to hear his voice. So what did Jesus say? Or what did he mean when he told his mother, mine hour is not yet come? He wasn't talking about his ministry. He already had his disciples. Come on, somebody. 
John had already declared, behold, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. He wasn't talking about his ministry. Come on, somebody. He was talking about his wedding. Mine hour <laughs> is not yet come. Come on, somebody. So Genesis begins with a wedding. Revelation ends with a wedding. Jesus begins his ministry at a wedding. And he will end his ministry at a wedding. All right. He begins by inviting us to his wedding and he will end it by sitting us down at the wedding feast. It's all about the wedding. It's a love affair between God and his chosen people. Central theme throughout the whole Bible. All right. I want y'all to catch this. Matthew 25 and 10. He announces that he's coming to take us to a wedding feast. And this is going to be an actual wedding. An actual wedding. Matthew 25 and 10. And while they went up to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready, what? Went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut amen all right we're gonna go to an actual wedding and this is the five wives the five food parable uh but what happened was when he came and those that were ready went in and after they went into the marriage the door was shut uh, as uh, parents, um, uh, we have children, uh, and they become of age, and, and uh, you know, we getting ready to go, and you tell them, I want you to go get dressed. And one of the, you know, when they're young, uh, you know, you, you, you're just now getting them to the point where they can put on their own clothes and 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 you ask them are you ready what are the what is the number one thing you know that they're actually ready when they come out they're dressed <laughs> my god now the younger they are things may not match up and they might have two different uh, uh type of shoes but the number one thing that you know when they come out that they're ready is they are dressed come on somebody when he came back and the five wives were five wives were ready they were dressed and they went in into the marriage this is the pattern the allegory the parable um i believe all of these fit into those different categories all right. They were ready. They were dressed. They had their lamps. Amen. They were prepared. They lit them and they went into the marriage and the door was shut. We're going to an actual wedding, saints. Amen. All things have been prepared. What happened to the man that was in the wedding, uh, sitting at the wedding feast and he didn't have on the proper garment? 
Jesus looked at him. <laughs> you don't belong here. Not without the proper garment on. And what did he do? He cast him out. My God, into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You must be ready to go in to meet the bridegroom. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But what are we doing? We're working on our soul salvation with fear and trembling. What you are trembling about? What you're fearful about? I don't want him to come back and catch me not dressed unprepared to meet my maker. Amen. He's, uh, you know, he may come for the church. He may come for you. In either case, you have to be prepared. Amen. God always uh, removes his bride before he pronounces judgment. He always protects his people. We talked about it. He took Lot out of Sodom. He protected Noah and put him in the ark. Amen. Uh, in uh, Revelation, he raptures the church out of the world before the tribulation comes. Amen. My God. And it's so important. It's so important that we know and understand. We have to be ready to meet him when he comes back. Now, listen, uh, I'll show you this in the chart. But we're talking about the second coming. Now he came, uh, he uh, bled, and he died. Come on, somebody. And then he went up uh, into heaven. Come on, somebody. Uh, I have this scripture. Uh, now that was uh, his first coming. Now his second appearing. Well, his, his appearing, I should say, his appearing is when he's going to come and rapture his church. His second coming. Come on, somebody. When he brings us back with him. That's what we're talking about right now. I don't want uh, nobody to confuse his coming from his appearing. Come on, somebody. He came. He died and went up into heaven. All right. Now he's going to come back in uh, his appearing. He's going to take his church out. And his second coming is when he's coming back with his bride, with his church, to judge the rest of the world. And I, I'll share that with you. I have that in a chart. All right. Look at John 14 and 3. Jesus said he's going to come back and take us to the wedding. John 14 and 3. What does he say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are what? Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to do what? To prepare a place for you. That where I am... Ye may be also. Come on, somebody. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Amen. 
Jesus always comes and takes his bride away before danger, before destruction. Come on, somebody. Before he pronounces judgment, the church is not going through the tribulation period. Come on, somebody. He says, I'm taking you to my father's house. Why his father's house? Because that's where the wedding feast is. That's where the wedding is. <laughs> In his father's house. Amen. And this is repeated over and over throughout the Bible. Now, I want to take you to Luke. Let's go to Luke 12. And I want you all to catch this because a lot of people, they read this scripture and they don't catch it, what he says. Luke 12. I want 35 and 37. Um, all right. What does it say? Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. That's, that's almost a, um, a jump back to the, the, the five whys. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for who? Their Lord. When he will return from the wedding. Look at that. When he will return from the wedding. That when he cometh and knocketh. They may be open. They may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants. Whom the Lord when he cometh. Shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth to serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. My God. Listen, watch this. He said, when Jesus returns from the wedding. Did you all catch that? Verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. If I came into a room and I sat down and I said, whew, my goodness. That wedding rehearsal took a long time. You would ask me, who's getting married? Now let's take that scenario again. I come in the room and I sit down and I say, man, whew, we just got back from the wedding. The question would be different. Who got married? And look at what he's saying here. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning when you yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. Well, if he's returning from the wedding, who did he get married to? And who is he speaking to? 
This is concerning the second coming of Christ. He's going to have his bride with him. Remember somebody, he's coming from the wedding. Remember the metaphor, uh, the, the, the allegory, the, the parable. He always takes his bride first. Come on, somebody. My God. He's going to marry her. And when he comes back, he's going to have his bride with him. He's coming from the wedding. Well, then who is he talking to? He's talking to those individuals, that remnant of Israel, that's going to be waiting on him. Come on, somebody. My God. Those that, that, uh, that, that were uh, beheaded, those that did not take the mark of the beast. Come on, somebody. My God. He's talking about the second coming. A lot of people, they read this scripture and they don't catch it. Uh, when he cometh and knocketh, that they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are these servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find them watching. Verily I say unto you, he that shall gird himself and make them to sit down at, at meat and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or in the third watch, amen, second watch is when the church will be snatched away. The third watch is when he's going to come and get the, the remnant of Israel that's left when he comes back with his bride and find them so blessed are those servants. Whether he's snatching the church out, we got to be ready, or the second appearing, they have to be ready. Come on, somebody. My God. So when he returns from the wedding, there is a wedding that have already taken place. Let's look here in Acts uh, 1 and 6, 6 and 7, and then we're going to go uh, 9 through 11. All right, you all have it, Acts, the first chapter. Jesus said, ye men of Galilee, the, uh, that same Jesus in like manner. He's not talking about his appearing. He's a talking about, he's talking about his second coming. All right. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore unto again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put under his own power. All right, we drop down to verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall, uh, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Come on, somebody. 
that same Jesus that you see ascending up, he's coming back to the same place in like manner. And look, let's read where he, then they returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. Come on, somebody. Mount Olives, the Mount of Olives, Mount Avila, uh, Olivet, Jehoshaphat, God judge. All of that's talking about the same place. Which is a uh, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey. All right, we have the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives, Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives, Jehoshaphat. This is the site of the Battle of Armageddon. That place that uh, he ascended up. Those angels came and said that same Jesus in like manner. He's coming right back to this same place. Come on, somebody. And that's where the nations are gathered to fight against him. Come on, somebody. My God. And we've already read what Jesus said he was going to do to them. You all remember we read that. He said, let your weak say I'm strong. The Antichrist is going to gather all of the nations together. And I, I still don't understand that. How well with things that are happening today and what's going on right now, I, I do understand it. I don't know, well, I, well <laughs> it's the mystery. <laughs> Who in the world would think in their mind they're gonna fight and win against God? You have to be out of your mind. But the Antichrist, a bunch of deceived minds, they're going to gather. That is the battle site uh, right there at the uh, Jehoshaphat, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, uh, Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives, where he appeared, appeared. That's the place he's coming back. And guess what? He got a whole lot of folk with him. <laughs> That's the church. That's us. We're coming back with him. He's going to wage this war going to fight them. Come on, somebody. My God. Look at uh, Revelation 1. 6 and 7. He said all those that pierced him is going to see him. First chapter of Revelation. Verses 6 and 7. And have made us what? Kings and priests unto God. And to his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. My God, God is coming back with his army that's all dressed in white. And what did the, the scripture say? Uh, white is the, uh, the righteousness of the saints. So we know we are the bride of Christ. We're coming back with him. He's going to fight this battle of Armageddon. He's going to set up his millennial kingdom. There's going to be a thousand years of peace. And in order to have a thousand years of peace, he's going to have to lock up uh, Satan in the bottomless pit. 
and, and then we will enjoy a thousand years of peace. Now, when Jesus said, let your weak say I'm strong, the Bible says they took their uh, plows and they beat them into swords. They took their pruning hooks and they beat them into staves. All right. In the thousand years of peace, after he rids himself of uh, Satan, the Antichrist, and the nations that have come out to fight him, and we have that thousand years of peace, it's going to be the reverse. They're going to take their swords and beat them into plowshares and take their staves and beat them into pruning hooks. <laughs> They're going to go back to being farmers. Come on, somebody. And they're saying the lion is going to lay down with the lamb. Come on, somebody. My God, the child is going to be able to pick up the cobra snake. My God, that lion is not going to be bloodthirsty. You're not going to have no man-eating bears anymore. They're all going to graze off the, uh, the, uh, the grass of the field. Come on, somebody. My God, what a time of rejoicing that will be. But it only will be for a thousand years. I'm going to show you that. I'll show you that. All right. So we will reign with him through uh, this millennial period. And I'm trying to bring all of this together because there's a lot going on uh, in here. Now, let's look at what Joel had to say about it. Joel. <clears throat> the third chapter. <clears throat> Remember, we're talking about the second coming. The second coming. When he appears, he snatches the church out. His second coming, he's coming back from the wedding and we are with him. All right, look what Joel said. Uh, the third chapter. Verses 1 and 2, he says what? For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem... I will also gather all nations and will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's the Mount Olivet, Mount of Olives, that same Jesus uh, that went up into the clouds. He's coming back in the same manner. Come on, somebody. I'm going to gather them at the uh, valley of Jehoshaphat. And will plead with them there for my people. Now, when he say plead, he ain't like the plead we're thinking. Uh, Jehoshaphat means God judge, the God that judgeth. God is going to come back and judge. He's going to destroy his the nations that have come out to fight. I will plead with them there for my people. And for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. My God. Those that are looking for him, there is a remnant that is going to be saved uh, out of the tribulation period. Now, you all know we're talking about that first three and a half years of the tribulation because in the eighth chapter of revelation uh when that um the seventh seal is opened up that's known as the great day 
of God's uh, wrath, nobody's going to be saved. All right? So in the end of that first three and a half period of the revelation, when the uh, Antichrist will be revealed, he's going to build that temple. He's going to sit in the temple and call himself God. Come on, somebody. And that's going to be the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel. They're going to realize that this is not our Messiah. Come on, somebody. And when they see him, they, then that's when God's going to appear. And they're going to wail for him. Come on, somebody. Because of him. My God. All right. But God said, I'm going to plead with them. I'm going to judge them. All right. I will plead with them uh, there for my people and my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. All right. So they'll be waiting for them. But he said when he comes back, he's going to restore the remnant of people that are waiting for him. Come on, somebody. He's going to execute judgment on the nations that have gathered uh, to destroy him. Think they're going to fight with him and win. And as I say, I'm bringing all the, all of this together because there's a lot going on. And, you know, a lot of times people think, well, you know, we even sing the song, When I Wake in Glory. Well, there's a whole lot to this. It's not going to be just like that. There's a whole lot of time. Matter of fact, from the time, well, if, if the church is caught up before the tribulation period, the tribulation is seven years long. There's a lot going on while we're in our chamber and all of this mess is going on on earth. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to put all this together. And God is going, when he set up his millennial reign and we have that thousand years of peace, well, he's got to bind Satan in the bottomless pit. But then after that thousand years of peace is done, Satan is going to be loosed. Why? Because God is going through a trial process. And you're going to be surprised. After that thousand years of peace. And God is revealing unto us who Satan really is. And when he loose him after the thousand years. There's going to be people that's going to get right back with him. My God. <laughs> um, it made me think about it. When... Um, the day of insurrection. And I'm seeing this, Saints, and I hope y'all don't think I'm crazy. Um, uh, uh, when they stormed the Capitol, we had uh, um, Mitch McConnell said that Donald uh, Trump had committed impeachable crimes. We had um, Lindsey Graham say, count me out. I'm done with him. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, said Donald Trump was responsible for uh, inciting this mob and this crowd. Now, these are all grown, intelligent men right on camera told us they were done with Donald Trump. But where are they at now? They're right back to on Team Trump. K 
Kevin McCarthy went to Mar-a-Lago and tied himself right back up with Donald Trump. Now you would think, now what kind of intelligent man? Now you know we heard your words. You know what it made me think about? It made me think about Pharaoh. Moses tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Uh, it got so bad till um, uh, Pharaoh said, Moses, I'm letting them go. And God said, no, no, you're not. It got so bad that the people were suffering. And they told Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let them go. Pharaoh told Moses, I'm going to let them go. God said, no, you ain't. You ain't going to let them go until I say, let them go. <laughs> Why would a grown man sit up here and tell us, tell the whole world, I'm done with Trump, and the next day, that lets me know this thing is fixed. These men can't change their mind. God is in the midst of this. They're saying one thing. And come on now, we, I don't think they're crazy. I know I'm not crazy. They said, Lindsey Graham said, count me out. I'm done. Mitch McConnell said uh, he's uh, committed impeachable crimes. Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, he was responsible for inciting this murderous uh, insurrection at the Capitol. Now they're all back with him. God is in the midst of what's going on on this earth. It's already set, y'all. It's already set. Men can't even do what they say they're going to do. Why? Because God is in control. Um, Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, but I'm going to harden his heart. Tell him to let my people go. But he ain't going to let him go till I say, let him go. When I, when I was looking at this, that's what God brought to my mind. God is in control. These men think they're calling the shot, but God is in control. And we're looking at some of the most confusing, the mystery of iniquity. I mean, what kind of crazy is going on? Come on, somebody. Um, well, you all know what you, you ought to know what's going on. Uh, you ought to keep up with the news, and you ought to see what's happening. It's following the Bible. It's following the Bible. All right. So he said he's going to come. He's coming to uh, the heritage of his people. He's coming back to the valley of Jehoshaphat. He's going to, and that Jehoshaphat means God judges. He's going to judge them. I'm going to plead. That means judgment. He's going to judge the nations that have come out against them. All right? He's going to execute judgment on all of his enemies. All right? So we also see at that time will be the fulfilling of one of the feasts of Jehovah. Remember that? The sixth one. The, uh, the Day of Atonement. That's a one-day feast. 
Uh, look at Zechariah, the 14th chapter. Uh, we got to get through this. Let me see. Zechariah, the 14th chapter. He's going to come back and fight this battle of Armageddon. Uh, we will be with him. He said, and his feet shall stand in that day, Zechariah 14, 4 and 5. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Didn't I say he was coming back? That same Jesus you saw ascend. He's coming back the same place, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall uh, cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains. For the valley of the mountains shall reach to Isaiah. Yea, ye shall flee, like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. Come on, somebody. He's coming back, and he's bringing his bride with him. Come on, somebody. My God. And that's when we will have that a feast of atonement, that sixth feast of the seven feasts of Jehovah. Come on, somebody. Um, we don't have time to go into it right now, but that is the what Jews call on the Jewish calendar. That's called Yom Kippur. All right, the Day of Atonement. That's what it means when all the Jews are fasting and praying and repenting of their sins, preparing themselves for atonement back to God. Amen. Uh, up until that time, it's called, up until that day, it's called the 10 days of awe. All right, but it's a one day feast and that's when God will come back and those that will well because of him. Come on somebody, my God. We thought uh, the Antichrist was our Messiah. What did he say? I'm going to leave unto you your house desolate until you say, Blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. They're going to wail for him. And God is going to save his people. All right, I want to show you something before we end on today. Um, I got this chart. Uh, let me see. I want to take, I got to take off my lower thirds. Okay. And I want to show you. This is the chart I was talking about. Um, and rightfully so, I need to let you all know and give him credit. If you look, I don't know if you can see my cursor down there at the bottom. I got this from Bishop Herman. It, called, it says Elder Harry R. Herman now. I don't know how many years 
ago, he was Elder Herman. <laughs> so this chart has to be pretty old. I was in his office and he was asking me, what did I want? I was, I was just a sponge and I told him I wanted everything. All right. So, and I've had this chart in my archives for years and haven't picked it up uh, until uh, now in my study of Revelation. Now, if you go up to the top here, hopefully you can see my cursor. It says the first and second resurrections. All right. I'm going to the left. Here is Jesus at the cross. Y'all see that to the left? My cursor is going around. This is Jesus at the cross and the two malefactors with him. All right. Jesus gets up and becomes first fruits. Y'all see that? First fruits from the grave to the left. I hope you can see my cursor circling right here. All right. Now let's go. And if you look at the bottom, this is a day of grace, the church age. We know this is going to be 2,000 years right in here. This whole thing right here. And then you all see this. It says the rapture of the church. Rapture of the church. Up here in this box, it says saints in their chamber, heaven. When he raptures the church, we're going into our chamber. Y'all see that up top? And then right here, there's two arrows. There's one when he raptures the church, the appearing. Now, this is his coming back here. This is his appearing right here. And this is his second coming. And that's what we're dealing with right now. The second coming of Christ when he will bring his bride with him. Look up here again. The saints in their chamber. We're in heaven. He comes back. This is the um, his uh, second coming. All right. He's coming back with his bride. He's going to set up this section here. Look at this. This is the thousand years. I talked about the millennial reign. A thousand years. Hopefully you can see my cursor. Now look, in order to have that thousand years of peace, look at this. Satan bound 1,000 years. He's put in the bottomless pit. Y'all see that? Down at the bottom. Satan will be bound for a thousand years. We will have a thousand years of peace. This is the, the millennial reign. This is when they will beat uh, their swords back in the plowshares. And they will uh, beat their staves back into pruning hooks. They'll go back to farming. They will, they will study war no more. All right, but look here. After the thousand years is finished, Satan is loosed again. Y'all see that right there. And then we will have what's called the white throne judgment. And at that point, now here, Satan is bound for a thousand years. But after he's loosed this time and God defeats him, he's going into the lake of fire. And we'll read that. 
um, uh, the false prophet and the um, and the beast, which the uh, uh, the false prophet was riding, the woman, they were thrown into the lake of fire, but Satan was put into a bottomless pit and bound for a thousand years. And when that thousand years are, is finished, he will come back and do you know people will side with him and they will war against God again? So what do we have going on here? A weeding out process. A weeding out process. Come on, somebody. God will defeat them again. And this time, Satan is going to go to the lake of fire. And we'll read all of this in scripture. But I wanted to give you a pictorial. And as I say, I got this from uh, Bishop Herman years ago. Years ago. But this is what we're, this is what we're dealing with right here now. The second coming, the second coming of Christ. And um, I'm going to still try to get this to you all. And maybe you can, um, um, I don't know how well you can see it online now. Uh, but if I get it in your hands, I'm sure you'll be able to see it. And this is also a Bible study uh, right here. I'm to the left and to the bottom the seven orders of the first resurrection. Uh, I was uh, happened to have Bishop Brisbane's teaching on this Bible class. The seven orders of the first resurrection. Who was it? Number one, it was Jesus Christ himself. Uh, the second was the early saints. Remember when he got up and the saints of old was walking the streets somebody when Jesus resurrected some of the saints of old got up and walked the streets all right that was the second one uh, third one was the um, the dead in Christ are gonna get up the fourth resurrection are the palm bearers y'all remember them all right the um, fifth resurrection the man-child or the 144,000. Y'all remember that? There's got scripture references here. All right. Uh, the sixth resurrection, the two witnesses. Y'all remember they got up. They let them sit in the street three and a half years. Three and a half days, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, they didn't bury them. But God resurrected them and, and caught them up into the heaven. All right, and then the seven, those that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. All right, that's that's a whole separate Bible class right there itself. The seven orders of the first resurrection. Hopefully, uh, you all are able to see that. Uh, and it makes sense uh, to you. Am uh, I in slideshow mode? Let me see something. Yeah. Okay. All right. I wanted you all to see that, but this is where we're talking about the second coming. The second coming. You can hopefully you can see my cursor right here. The second coming of Christ. 
He's going to fight the battle of Armageddon. He's going to set up the millennial uh, kingdom. All right. And look, it says, thanks to reign with Christ during his millennial kingdom. And there's all scripture references here. All right. And then Satan will be loosed again. And God will fight with him and those that will uh, team up with him. Like I say, the only way we can have a thousand years of peace is Satan have to be bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. All right. Um, this is when that um, the sixth day, um, the sixth feast or the seventh feast of Jehovah, the day of atonement, that's when he come back. And they're going to realize that... Um, the Antichrist was not their Messiah. He's going to save Israel. And that's who he's saying to be ready. Whether he come in the first watch or the second watch. They must be ready. Waiting for him. And they're going to wail for him. Come on somebody. My God. So hopefully this is making sense. I'm trying to keep it all. Um. All right, that was my sister Gwen. She says she can send the she can send the visuals out, and uh, with all those that want uh, this chart, which I think is very very good uh, in study in the Book of Revelation. And as I say, I got this from Bishop Herman, and I don't even think I looked at it until I started studying this. Uh, and this has uh, helped me tremendously to know where we are. Uh, in the book of Revelation because he has taken the time to go out and, uh, and I don't know, know how he, he wrote so small and got all the scripture references in there. I think it's a great uh, piece of resource uh, for anybody that uh, studies uh, the book of Revelation. All right, uh, saints, we are out of time. Uh, we did. I did not get to the place where I wanted to be, uh, but I thank God for where we are. Um, and certainly I, I, I find this, uh, study very, very, um, exciting. <laughs> um, when you, when God reveals unto you his plan, uh, there's some, uh, great anticipation. God is getting us ready for that great getting up morning. Amen. Uh, we are primarily a Gentile church. He came to his own and his own received him not. That second coming, those that are going to come uh, that are to be ready in that second watch. Amen. That's primarily his, the Jews. Uh, that he said, um, and we'll go to all the scripture. He said it, uh, it blindness in partners Israel was only until the Gentiles came in. He's only got one bride at a time. He told them, I'm going to leave unto you your house desolate. He gave them a bill of divorcement. Y'all remember me saying that? That he might take on a Gentile bride. He's dealing with us now. But after he snatches us up, 
we go to the wedding, amen, uh, and he comes back, he's coming back with his bride, that's us, the glorified church, amen, but he's going to save Israel, because Israel is his firstborn, uh, Israel is my son, even my firstborn, amen, that's the covenant, and we got the scripture that we're going to read, the promise that he has made unto them. All right. May God bless you. May God keep you is our prayer. Uh, I want to encourage those that are not saved. Time is winding up. Time is winding up. God is in complete control of the chaos you see that's happening in this world. My God, he's in complete control. The mystery of iniquity. If you are not saved, this is a good time. This is a good time because the Lord is soon to come. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name and filled up with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues, we have all things prepared we have water to baptize you in the name of Jesus and a great big God to fill you with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Call me 734-477-6891. 734-477-6891. Our ministers on staff will call you back and return your call. We'll counsel you and... Uh, instruct you in the way of the scriptures. Amen. Jesus said, except the man be born again, he cannot see. You're not going to understand this thing. Everything about it. Come on, somebody. Your understanding have to be opened. And except the man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So there are some things that we must do. Uh, that we might be ready. We might be clothed. Amen. Uh, the bride is, is getting ready. The church is getting ready. Come on, somebody. My God. And certainly some of the songwriter said, oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. Amen. I'm talking about in peace. Everybody's going to see him, but I want to see him in peace. If you haven't made your call in an election, sure, give us a call. Amen. We certainly will uh, pray with you, instruct you in the ways of the scripture. We will baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And God will fill you with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. Give us a call. 734-477-6891. All right, New Grace.